that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Government is the problem. Will you still love me when I'm no longer young? President Review, an analysis of every presidential administration from Washington to Trump. This week, we talk about the fifth president of the United States, James Monroe. All right, so today uh, I'm all by myself, uh, and we're going to be talking about the presidency of James Monroe. So we're going to finish off uh, the founding fathers uh, with the fifth president of the United States, uh, James Monroe. So James Monroe comes, uh, comes, uh, down the corner, uh, in 1816. Um, he is the fifth president of the United States. Um, and he, um, he comes in at the end of Madison's term, essentially after, uh, Washington left every, every founding father president after him had at least one problem or another, um, Adams uh, was marred by the Alien and Sedition Acts. Um, Jefferson was marred by uh, the Embargo Acts, um, which essentially reduced uh, free trade. Uh, And Madison is marred by the controversial War of 1812, which almost uh, leads to him being a one-term president. Um, But Monroe comes in, um, he, he has a pretty accomplished resume, um, he was, uh, a set, he was a part of the, uh, the, the, he was a delegate to the Congress, uh, of the Confederation, um, and he was also, um, he was a U.S. Senator from Virginia, he was the Minister to France, he was the Minister to the United Kingdom, he was the Governor of, uh, Virginia twice, um, he was Secretary of State, he was Secretary of War, um, and now he was running for the presidency after Madison chose to uh, respect Washington's uh, wish uh, and not run for a third term uh, in the presidency. So the 1816 election, in spite of it, it had seemed as though for a while partisan politics had almost ended because in 1816 you've got James Monroe. He's a Democratic Republican. You'd think after you know, how controversial Madison was, uh, the Democratic Republicans would have become a more controversial alliance, but that didn't seem to be uh, the case for Monroe because he um, he comes in, he's a Democratic Republican, and he ends up winning by a blowout. Um, so Rufus King is the, uh, is the Federalist uh, nominee, um, and uh Monroe pretty much dispatches him. He dispatches him. Uh, this isn't like 1812 where it's a very close election. Uh, Monroe absolutely demolishes uh, Rufus King, 
who I believe was actually the uh, the running mate uh, for uh, for Charles Pinckney in 1804 uh, and 1808. Um, he comes back uh, in his own right, in his own respect, to try and take on Monroe, um, but ultimately Monroe wins. Um, by a crushing margin, um, he uh, Monroe receives eight one hundred and eighty three electoral votes. Uh, Rufus King only receives thirty four, and Rufus King only gets three states. He only wins three states in the electoral college, um, and uh, so this is pretty pretty crushing for the Federalists, um, and it eventually leads to Rufus King being the last. Um, Federalist to ever be uh, to ever run um, for the presidency or the ever the last Federalist to ever be nominated by the party for the presidency um, because after that the, the Federalist Party kind of just dissolves um, so that's one thing you've got to really give Monroe is he really helped federalism dissolve he really uh, took down the threat to the republic. Um, that was federalism. Um, he really just dispatched it. Um, Madison and Jefferson uh, did a good job in their own rights um, in trying to uh, trying to take down federalism. But when Matt, when Monroe comes in, he essentially, I mean, federalism essentially evaporates uh, under uh, Monroe. Um, so Monroe comes into office. He is. Um, as I did say, he has a very impressive resume, um, and he does get a, a lot of accomplishments uh, done. Um, so one of the things he does um, is he he signs the well. He um, one of the things he does is he signs the the Monroe Doctrine. Well, actually, I'm, I'm going to well, – before I talk about that, why don't I talk about um, the border? So the um, the um, the border – Monroe is essentially the first president who's really a big border hawk. Um, one of the arguments many people who support open borders will make is that the founding fathers never um, – they were never border hawks. They were never really border hawks. They never really uh, invaded people at the border. They never really had that tough uh, immigration policy that's really, really, really needed. Um, but at the time, it wasn't really needed. I mean, we didn't really have a border crisis. Um, and Monroe comes in, and Monroe is essentially the first um, president um, who's really a, a border hawk. He really comes in. He's really a border hawk. Um, and he, there's the, the territory of Florida, um, which essentially, um, essentially he, he makes the, the territory of Florida, he brings it under, uh, America, American control. Um, but he also, there, there were also pirates invading Florida, um, and whatnot. And he sends, uh, troops down to the border, uh, to protect them, and the way he handles that, he, he handles it very gracefully and very masterfully, um, and it's one of the crowning achievements, uh, ultimately, of Monroe's uh, of presidency, 
um, many people will argue. Um, and then he also has um, the Monroe Doctrine, uh, which uh, opposes um, uh, European colonization um, in America or American territories. Um, uh, and uh, it's it's a nationalist stance, um, and it was very, very influential uh, on our foreign uh, policy uh, for years, and it essentially uh, became one of the stables uh, of uh, America um, and the American presidency in regards to foreign policy in years to come. Um, and he really needs to be given credit for that uh, because it really was uh, quite a shining achievement uh, of his administration. Um, but uh, one of the things, it's not all um, uh, sunshine and roses uh, for Monroe, however, because he does have, uh, he does have the Missouri Compromise, um, which is unfortunately... Um, a tragic um, sta uh, state of events. And some historians will argue that Monroe didn't really have much of a grasp, didn't really have much of a control over the situation at hand. So essentially what happens is um, Monroe gets the territory of Maine and Missouri um, uh, inserted into America as states. So we get two more stars on the American flag. Um, and you think that's great. That, that's great news. We got, uh, we got two more stars on the American flag, more states were expanding America. And in a way you could argue that was the case, but the, the tragic part of the Missouri compromise was there was a lot of dispute because uh, of slavery at the time. There was a lot of dispute uh, over whether these two states um, would come into uh, the Union as free states uh, or slave states. Um, and uh, unfortunately, um, James Monroe, um, uh, unfortunately what happens is, well, the good news is Maine does come into um, the Union uh, as a free state. Um, uh, it does come in, uh, slavery is outlawed, uh, in Maine. However, unfortunately, a part of the Missouri Compromise does say that Missouri must come in as a slave state. And that was, that was really the tragedy. I think that was the big tragedy of Monroe's administration. Um, it's always been viewed as the Achilles heel, um, of his presidency, um, and many people argue that Monroe really, there was nothing more he could do, and many people don't really consider it um, uh, a, uh, a stain on his presidency. Um, but some other people uh, will argue that there was more Monroe could have done to try and prevent Missouri from getting in as a, free, as a slave state. Um, so it was definitely an un... Uh, an unfortunate and tragic um, state of affairs um, for the time. And it would uh, solidify the conflict. Some people will argue that it solidified the conflict between the North and the South um, because um, 
all of a sudden you have uh, Maine coming in as a as a free state. That essentially ensures that the northern part of America uh, is free. Uh, there, there's no slavery in in the northern part of America, and that is essentially ensured uh, by Maine coming in by as a free state, which is the good news. But tragically, um, Missouri entering the Union as a as a slave state essentially also ensures um, that Missouri uh, stays in the Union um, as, uh, as that essentially ensures that the South continues. Um, uh, continues to be, uh, unfortunately struggle with the, the topic of slavery. Um, definitely not, definitely a tragic, uh, aspect of, uh, his administration. But another thing, um, that Monroe is, uh, very, very closely, heavily aligned with is what's known as the era of good feelings where, you know, we, we had the Alien and Sedition Acts during Adams. Um, uh, we had uh, the Embargo Acts during the Jefferson administration. We had the divisive and controversial War of 1812 under Madison. Um, at this point, um, the era of good feelings, at the time that the era of good feelings came about, um, at the time Monroe came into office, um, things were pretty lax. Um, we, we didn't have, um, there weren't crushing problems. Um, and some people may argue that maybe Madison just kind of got off easy or not Madison, sorry, Monroe just kind of got off easy. Um, he didn't, uh, you know, this was because of actions that were taken before his administration, but other people will argue that the era of good feelings, because of many of the decisions and accomplishments of the Monroe presidency, that this this uh, essentially led to that. Um, so it's very interesting uh, to hear that uh, uh, witness. Um, and again, around this time was when the Federalist Party collapsed, and you've really got to give Monroe credit for that. Um, for really dismantling um, the threat to America that was federalism. Um, so you really do have to give uh, Monroe a lot of credit for that. Um, and he also... Um, uh, he also uh, was able to um, sign a treaty between Canada... Um, and uh, the United Kingdom that eventually led to um, to the uh, the Oregon uh, territory uh, ending up in American hands. That I mean, that was officially settled. There was dispute about that, and Monroe comes in and he essentially um, uh, does that, and he also purchases the Florida territory as well. So Monroe um, was really good on annexation. Um, probably the second best president in regards to uh, in regards to that. I would say um, James Polk was was definitely. I mean, typically when you think of presidents and annexation, you think of James Polk. But um, Madison also, you know, he isn't 
given enough credit, not just for expand, not just for adding two stars to the flag, but for buying a lot of territory for the United States as well. And he really deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, so I do believe that Monroe was a president um, who, who's often overlooked, at least in regards to the founding father presidents. I mean, when you think of pre- founding fathers that became president, you think of Washington, you think of Madison, you think of Jefferson. You don't typically Monroe isn't the first name that comes to mind, but um, his presidency is often overlooked um, by a lot of historians. Um, and I do think he was certainly an underrated president. And I, you know what? I think I think Washington was certainly, without a doubt, he's one of the greatest presidents in American history, if not the greatest president in American history. No doubt he was the greatest founding father president in our history. I think Monroe was uh, may have come in second. Um, and, you know, Monroe, uh, I, I, before I sign off, I should probably talk about the 18... 18- 24 election, um, so, or no, sorry, not the 1824, the 1820 election, so 1820, in 1820, um, James Madison, uh, or James Monroe, I, I get the two confused, their names confused all the time, uh, so uh, I apologize for that, um, at that point, James Monroe, he, uh, was so, people were so happy with his presidency, um, that they decided to, he was completely unopposed. There was, he had no uh, major challenge from any candidate. So he wins 80% of the popular vote. Um, and he wins almost every electoral uh, vote um, in the union. Um, but there is one electoral vote um, that comes out of uh, the state of... Um, that came out of the state of New Hampshire. Um, Monroe only got seven electoral votes out of the state of New Hampshire instead of um, instead of eight. Uh, and the reason what because at the time um, New Hampshire had eight electoral votes. Um, and the reason for that is because there was a faithless elector named William Plummer, um, who uh, was a former senator from New Hampshire and the former governor of New Hampshire as well. He was also part of the New Hampshire state legislature, he gives his faithless elector to John Quincy Adams, um, who, um, who was the secretary of state under Monroe at the time. Um, and the, there's an urban legend. The reason, the reason that, uh, Plummer chose to give, uh, Quincy Adams, uh, his electoral vote is because, uh, uh, he he wanted Washington to be the only president to get every single electoral vote. Um, uh, he he thought he was the only one who deserved every single electoral vote in the electoral college. He thought no other president deserved any electoral vote, and he knew that Monroe was going to be the last president to ever not have any major party opposition. So, and he thought he. He didn't. He wasn't uh, worthy enough to the stature of George Washington to get every single electoral vote in the electoral college. That's a great story. That really is a great story to tell as like a campfire story, um, almost like the urban legend um, that William Henry Harrison died of pneumonia. 
um, which I still see a lot of historians to this day uh, espouse. Um, but it actually isn't true. This whole thing about William uh, Plummer saying, I'm going to be a hero, I'm going to give uh, Madison my, I'm going to give Adams my electoral vote because I believe uh, Washington should be the only president in history to, to get every single electoral vote in the Electoral College is not true. Uh, William Plummer went, later went on to write that he was dissatisfied with Monroe's administration at the time. Um, he, at the time, believed... Um, he, he, at the time, had a lot of problems with Monroe, um, a lot of issues with his presidency, and for that reason only, he gave his vote for Adams. So it really had nothing to do with being a hero to America or being a nationalist. It really just had to do with, yeah, I don't like Monroe, so I'm going to vote for Adams. Um, but I'm going to give Matt, it's t- at this point in the episode, before I sign off, I'm going to give Monroe a final score and I'm going to give him a nine out of 10. I think he was the second best founding father president, uh, in our history. I know that's going to be disputed by a lot of people. Um, but I think Monroe really did a good job and he really deserves to be commended for that. Um, and obviously he ended up being the last uh, president to get every uh, single electoral vote in the Electoral College. Um, But yeah, I think Monroe did a really good job. He certainly had a lot of accomplishments uh, in regards to buying more territory, um, in regards to um, the Monroe Doctrine. Um, Definitely a more accomplished president uh, than many historians would like to talk about. Um, But obviously... Um, the Missouri Compromise was probably the most tragic and controversial aspect of his administration. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to give uh, Monroe uh, a 9 out of 10. So Monroe, as we mentioned twice in this episode, is the last founding father president. Um, so um, in the next episode, we will leave the founding fathers behind And we will talk about uh, the rest um, of the 40 presidents remaining, starting with, he's back, the Adams family is back. Yes, next week we are going to be talking about John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States, um, who wins uh, controversially um, in a very controversial race. Uh, That's going to be very interesting to talk about. Uh, Make sure to stay tuned for that.